Good morning and welcome to our daily devotional podcast. Today we are going to talk about the story of Cornelius, the Gentile, whom God revealed himself to and the start of the Gentile missions. But before we start then, I'd like to sing a song. This song is called Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. And yet it's not just about giving thanks for our daily needs or the things that God does for us personally, but it's a look at how God has changed the course of history throughout history. The part of the song that says, And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what he has done. That's a very important part of our history, that God reaches out to the least and God has, over history, reached out to people who seem far from Him. Even today, as we look at the Gentile mission, we say, well, yeah, that's a long time ago and not very relevant to us. Reaching out, God reaching out to the Gentiles was a very important thing. Because if God had not done so, today none of us would be Christian. But God reached out to a group that His people, the Jews, used to think were outside of the realm of God's redemption, that it was even illegal, it was wrong to gather to talk to a Gentile. When God reached out to them, that made all the difference. But Gentiles, Gentiles then were considered unclean and outside of God's goodness. We want to look today too at the people we feel are unclean and outside God's goodness. Over generations over the centuries that has been the different different groups of people throughout history and how God has reached out to them and soon as we sing this song there is a sense of deep gratitude that once we were no people but now we are the children of God and it's because God had consistently reached out to those we thought would not be worthy or could not be reached by God. Let me sing this song now. Give thanks. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for us. And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for us. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ 
Now turn to the Word of God, to Acts chapter 10. Let us pray. Father, throughout history you had plans to reach out to groups that were the least, the last, the lost. Lord, throughout history you kept your eye on each of these and you reach out, Lord, you reached out to us, to people first who were seeking after you from all nations. They did not know you, but in their hearts, they wanted you, and you reached out. But you also used men of yours, like Peter, who through simple acts of obedience did as you led them not knowing where you were leading, not knowing what you were asking them to do, but simply responding to you, and we thank you for them. So God, today as we celebrate the Gentile mission, the mission to those who are not Jews, we ask that you speak deeply into our hearts too, that we may continue that great legacy through simple acts of obedience may we reach out to those whom no one believed could come to your kingdom. And then, Lord, we may be instruments of your grace and of your peace. Speak to us, Lord. Please speak deeply into our lives. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 10 At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, 
As they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour and to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is uncommon, that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God made, has made clean do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be their guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea, Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And he talked with him. He went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago about this hour I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon who is called Peter, he is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he, had, he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach 
to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him never receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We want to look at two personalities today and reflect on some truths that they bring. The first is about Cornelius. And the truth that we want to reflect on is who are the people that God looks for. Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with all his household. That's found in verse 2. And gave alms generously to people and prayed continually to God. Who was Cornelius praying to? Which God was Cornelius praying to? Now from this passage, it is quite clear that Cornelius was not a proselyte. He was not a convert to the Jewish religion. He probably remained a Gentile. Because if he had been a convert, he would have been one of the proselytes. And earlier on, as uh, it was related when the apostles were looking for uh, stewards, um, deacons who would serve the widows, he chose one Nicholas who was a proselyte, a convert, a, ha- a convert from Gentiles to Judaism. That would have been included, he would have been included in the Jewish community. But this is not so for Cornelius. So he was not a proselyte. He was praying to a God who was not Jehovah, not the God of Israel. And yet he feared God, the unknown God, with all his household. He gave alms generously. He prayed continually to this God who was not the Jewish God. Later on then, it says that the people, the servants of Cornelius came and in verse 22 he said, they said to Peter, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who's well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by an angel. Once again, that Cornelius was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, but he was not a convert to Judaism. He was a centurion, a guard, a commander of, uh, um, a commander of a large division of the Roman army. Probably when they said that he was much well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, it meant that he was a fair commander. He did not exploit the people. He lived just life. And so this is what Cornelius was. He prayed to a God who was not the Jewish God, who was not Yahweh. He feared this God. He gave alms generously and he was a fair leader. But here was what Peter then said in verse 34 as he addressed Cornelius. Truly, 
I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to God. What this means is that God is not looking at creeds. And we need as Christians then to get out of this system where we think of sectarianism as Christians as one group and non-Christians as another. Just because we use the name of Christ does not mean that we are followers of Christ. And just because another person does not call himself a Christian, does not name the name of Christ, doesn't mean that God does not look at them at all. This passage makes it clear that from every nation, anyone who seeks God. So what he's saying is that anyone who is sincerely seeking God is acceptable to God. By inference too, that anyone who calls himself a Christian but does not seek after God. Remember what Jesus says, On that day many will come and say to me, Lord, Lord, have I not cast demons in your name? Have I not done these things in your name? And I would say to them, Be gone, I do not know you, you workers of iniquity. And so it is not a name, it is not sectarianism. Christians are privileged, Christians go to heaven. Non-Christians are not privileged, non-Christians go to hell. We have often held this belief. And it is a disaster to the church. Because the ones who follow Christ follow Him not because of His name, but follow Him because we know of a God. And this is what Peter says of Jesus. How In verse 38, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. They put him to death by hanging him a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him appear. And then it says that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And so I affirm that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the one whom God raised and he will be the judge, the ultimate judge of the living and the dead. But the way that Jesus judges will not be whether we use his name or we do not use his name. But the way that Jesus judges will be whether we acknowledge that we, that we have a God who cares, who loves humankind. And if we acknowledge that, then we too would care for what God cares for, for humankind, for each person, rich or poor, whether or not they know God or they do not. And God honours those who seek Him. God honours those who care for others, who give alms generously. The ones whom God cares for are those who know Him as such a God. And so even before Cornelius became a Christian, God honoured him, God loved him, God saw the alms that he was giving. God saw his heart. But God wanted to show him something more. God wanted to show him, yep, you are right, you got it right, that this is the God. And God has actually not only remained in heaven, but he has come to earth to undo the works, to, op- to fight, to oppose the works of the evil one. That God is with us, that God comes to us to do mighty things, to deliver people from the grips of the evil one. That was what he wanted Cornelius to know. And so for us, 
let's disabuse ourselves of this notion that we are sectarian, that we are Christians and others are not, that we go to church, others go to temples and others go to mosques. That's not how God looks at people. God looks at people from their hearts. If, you're, if it's a Muslim, does he seek God with all his heart? If he's a Buddhist, if he's a Hindu, does God, do these people seek God with all their hearts? Do they give because they want to give, because they share that God's heart? Doesn't mean then that Jesus is not Lord. Jesus is still Lord and judge of all things. But Jesus judges differently. And the good news then is not, well, if you become come to my camp, if you become a Christian, then you will be saved. But rather it is this, the good news is this, that God has indeed come to earth. And God has indeed journeyed, walked with us. And God has indeed fought and continues to fight the ways of the evil one. And that this God loves you. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God came in the form of Jesus, and the good news is that He is with you. I know that it's still hard to wrap our heads around this, because what then does it mean to be a Christian? To be a Christian then is to understand the nature of our God that He is a God who gave His life for the world and loves this world unconditionally. But what does it mean then to believe in Jesus? To believe in Jesus then means that we too would embrace the thoughts and the heart of this God. To believe Him doesn't mean then that we say, oh well, yeah, I call His name and I'll go to heaven. Nothing of that sort but rather to imbibe the heart of Jesus and the love of Jesus for the world. That's what belief means. If we were to believe and love someone, we would take, we would follow him, we would, whether it's your husband, your wife, or someone you care for, you would want to adopt his thoughts, his heart, his ways. And that is what it means to be a Christian. To know a God who loves the world unconditionally and then for us to say to God, God, I want to love people unconditionally too. Teach me how because I believe and that's what you stand for and that's what your heart is. And so being a Christian is a lifestyle. It is not just speaking of a creed. It is a, a wanting to follow the thoughts and the heart to love the way Jesus loved and to walk the way Jesus walked. It's a tough journey for us, but if we begin to take this seriously and to say, I don't want to be a Christian by creed and I don't want to be a Christian by name, but I want to be a Christian by following this God who came to earth to destroy the works of the evil one and I want to join him to do good to destroy the works of the evil one as well. I want my life to be lived this way. Then, indeed, we become the followers of Jesus Christ. Let's now look at Peter. Peter was hungry. He was wait, just waiting for a meal and then he fell asleep or he fell into a trance. And in that trance, he 
saw a vision. Oh wait, sorry. Peter wasn't just hungry and fell asleep. He went up to pray. He was hungry, that's true. But he had gone up to pray. I deliberately left that one out because that's actually the most important thing. Peter took time to pray. It's important for us to take time to pray. You see, we live in this very fast-paced society. And I know we've, done, we've talked about this for, for decades. Ever since I was born, I was taught in Sunday school. We live in a too-fast society. We live for fast food, fast everything. And it's true, we still continue to do that. We continue to live one quickie things. We have a quick breakfast. We carry out our breakfast with coffee and maybe a snack or a muffin or a burger. And we are off to work. And everything we do is almost instant and quick. We do our quiet time on the run. Maybe some of you and I say this, um, well, partly in jest, but you listen to this podcast on the run as well, on the go, and we always live life on the go. But that's where we miss something so important. Because it is important to take time to listen to God and to speak with God. Peter was praying. Sure, he fell asleep while he was hungry, but that's not the point. Peter deliberately took time to pray. And that is so important because it is then that God speaks to us. Otherwise, we live our lives in a hurry, in the flesh. And by the time we reach the time to go at 80, we have continued to live our lives in the flesh. Rushing, rushing, rushing. And we miss out on what God calls us to do. Now you may say now that's really impossible because I have such a busy schedule. And this is what I'll say. Yes, I know that you have a busy schedule. I look at many of my friends' schedules. I look at my own schedule and we can barely afford time to do, to stop and pray. And I'm not saying then that it's going to be easy. I'm not going to poke here places here and put places there, all I'm going to say is this. If you know how desperately important it is to listen to God, that however you do it, carve out time to pray. It may be that you have to sleep one hour less and you say, wow, that's impossible. Well, if you know how important it is to spend time in prayer, then carve out time. Maybe carving out one hour of your recreation time or sleeping a little late, later. Or I don't know what it will be. It may be leaving home, leaving your office slightly earlier. It may be skipping lunch or cutting short your lunch hour, whatever it is. It is for you to carve time to spend with God. And let me show you how important it is. Peter was praying on the rooftop. Now, This beginning of the mission to the Gentiles was the most momentous moment in Christian history after Easter, after Christmas, and after Pentecost. This was like the fourth most important event in the history of Christianity, when the gospel was opened to Gentiles. Before that, it was only for the Jews and for those who were converted to Judaism and one or two people on the side. God's heart was always for the Gentiles as well as for the Jews. But it wasn't made clear to the people and therefore 
Gentiles were cast out. In fact, Peter said that it would have been against the law, said to Cornelius, it would have been against the law to have come to you. That was how strict it was. And that was how momentous this moment was. But you know what? Peter didn't know. He didn't plan for this great momentous event. He didn't even know that it would be a big deal. But one day as he was praying, he had a vision. Did you know that God gives visions a lot? He said it at the beginning of Pentecost when Peter declared, quoted from the prophet Joel, Young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams because God pours out His Holy Spirit upon people. wonder if you have ever seen, had a vision or had a dream. Well, if you spend time, God doesn't do it every day, that's for sure, but He does speak to us in dreams and in visions. Notice how God spoke to Cornelius, a God-fearing man, when, while he was praying. God spoke with him while he was taking time to listen to God. And God appeared to him in a vision. God appeared to Peter while he was praying, spending time with God, allowing God an opportunity to enter his mind and his consciousness. And God continues to show us visions. And Peter didn't know that this would be an earth-shaking, earth-changing, world-changing event. He saw a vision, a net, a, a piece of cloth coming down with unclean animals and God saying kill and eat and he saying God I've never touched anything common or unclean and God says what I've cleansed simply this that you may have thought certain things were wrong that it was wrong to follow was wrong to allow Gentiles to come in to fellowship with Gentiles and now God is saying well it's not going to be so and watch how obedient Watch how obedient Peter was. He was told to greet, go down and greet three men, two servants and a soldier. He greeted them, the two men and soldiers said to him, can you come to walk a great distance? From Caesarea to Joppa was over a day's journey. It was no easy trip. Would you come to our master's house and talk to him, deliver to him the message that God has given to you? And Peter simply obeyed. Next, Peter obeyed, he then went to Cornelius' house and took one day's journey to get there. And Cornelius excitedly had brought all his family. One would, have th one would never have guessed that there would be so many people wanting to hear about God. But there was this whole company waiting for him, friends and family of Cornelius. They all wanted to know God. And as Peter delivered, this is striking because Peter did not prepare a sermon. Cornelius said, now can you please tell us, basically can you please unload what the Holy Spirit has put in your heart, what the Holy Spirit has told you to speak. And Peter simply delivered the message that the Holy Spirit wanted Cornelius to know. And even while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit came upon this whole company. And there, a great movement began. Peter was just obedient after he listened to God. He didn't know any of these things would happen. And God reached out to an entire world that had been excluded from the goodness of God. There have been such movements, smaller movements, some very big movements. 
But often they started in very small ways as well by people who didn't know the next step, who did not plan, did not strategize a great revival or a great church movement or great church growth. They simply took it step at a time. We think of the first Pentecost, the Pentecostal revival, the last Pentecostal revival in, in this century, in the early 20th century, in Azusa Street. I spoke about that several days ago. God chose a group of people uh, in a tiny hut in the impoverished part, a very poor part of California. It wasn't like in the Bible Belt or somewhere religious. It was an unknown, unheard of, unwanted place. And especially in the time where there was much racial segregation, God chose the most unlikely people, a black preacher, Asian, Hispanic congregation, women who had no rights. And there God sparked a mighty revival. It was from a man, a preacher, son of a slave, a freed slave, who didn't know very much, had little education. And he simply listened to the word, to the work of God, to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and he went out and did what God told him to. I was pastoring in Barker Road, and the history of Barker Road was a very astounding one. Just a few students who got the received the gospel, and who then searched everywhere for church to be belong to. They never planned to start the church. They were looking for a church to belong to. In fact, one of them, a good friend of mine, was sharing how he searched for a church. And then he went to various churches and they, had, they looked down on him. They were contemptuous of this enthusiastic, excited young boy who just wanted to know God more. And they could not provide him answers. They could not point him to God. And so he went back to school and saw three or four other students singing. And he said, can I join you? They were his seniors and just this tiny group and started worshipping God. That was like a handful in a shed in the back room in the school. Today it's 3,000 strong. But God started a movement, not just within that school, but from that school. He started the charismatic movement several years later that spread throughout Singapore. Just by simple people listening to God. There are so many more stories of how God uses people who are not conscious of what he was doing, but simply took one step at a time. I remember when I was applying to be a pastor, I had to speak with my president, and he asked me what was in my heart, and I said, in my heart, I want churches to go to prison and prisoners to come to churches. Just that time, several pastors and several lay people had visited, visited prisons, in the Methodist Church, but none, no Methodist Church had ever received ex-prisoners in a large way. And some that did, these prisoners eventually were driven out because of their records. And the President then asked me, well, Mingli, be realistic, take a look at all the track churches and name me one that you think will be open to having ex-prisoners come to church. And I remember telling him, I, yeah, you're, you're right. But that's how I feel that the churches should take in prisoners. That was 30 years ago. Today, a number of churches receive released prisoners. 
openly. The prisoners, ex-prisoners, no longer have to hide their identities for fear of being chased out or suspected. But they can come among come among other Christians. In fact, former prisoners oh, several times in prison have become our pastors as well and they're loved and they have the power and the authority of God and there is no stigma. There should be no stigma. But it was a movement that God began among some people who believed that this was what he wanted to do. None of us who started that are heroes. None of us who started that have anything to claim for ourselves. We simply did what God placed in our hearts and we did it. You know that over the past few months I've been talking about the LGBTQ community. And you wonder why. The reason is this, that I believe that this community needs God so desperately. And not on the condition that they change their lifestyles first. For if we were to require them to change their lifestyles first, they would never come to God. But if we were to come to them unconditionally, hoping that there will be some who are devout, some who long for God, some who are searching for God, and I believe there are many of such, and then we bring the word of God to them and we stay with them and we nurture them, perhaps one day then God will lead them, whichever way God leads them in their life habits, because these people truly have same-sex attraction that they cannot stop. It is not their choice. But if God heals them or if God changes them, that's God's prerogative. It is not for us to judge. We simply bring the gospel to them as an act of obedience of a God who loves people. And as God who will defeat the works of the evil one. That is why I've been, I keep talking about this. Because as long as society, as long as Christians and many others ostracize them and say they have to change before we can receive them, what hope is there for them? But how does that reflect the heart of God? Unless we embrace them with our hearts to love them and to bring and to nurture them in the Lord, to teach them about God, the way we have been taught about God, then, only then, will God continue. But you see, from generation to generation, there have been people whom we thought we should avoid. There was the time of ex-prisoners. There was also the time of hippies, people who smoke, people with tattoos, people with long hair, people who are homeless, people who are gangsters. Throughout even this gen, my generation, there have been so many taboo groups of people. But one by one, as God calls those who hold on to the fact that Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of which we are the worst of them, as Paul says, then we will see God's hand at work. Yeah, it may also be racial, it may also be migrant workers, Again and again, the church and society have ostracized people, have written people off. And it calls for Christians who believe that that is not right. Not to start movements. Movements are started by God. But simply to give an act of kindness. An act of going out to reach out. And then allow God to do whatever He wants. Sometimes in small ways, sometimes in large ways. But so back to prayer. 
Peter was praying when God revealed, not revealed the whole plan to him, just <clears throat> instructions for one step at a time. Now go down from your attic to downstairs and there'll be three people coming into the house. Follow them, receive them and take the instructions. That's all the Holy Spirit said to him. And this is what I say to each of you. Take time to listen to God because it is so exciting. When we really take time to listen to God, God shows us things that will blow our minds and yet they are often the smallest things. Go and love this person, go and love that person, show kindness to your husband, show kindness to your wife. Little things like that that we don't think will ever make a difference. When the Holy Spirit prompts you to take one step at a time, then obey God and you may discover changes along the way in your home, in your office, changes in church, changes in society. How God moves is His prerogative. But each of us has a role in that, a very important role. And when we are engrossed in that, it's so exciting. Imagine the excitement of Peter. It was earth-shaking just by listening to God to go down to three Gentiles and follow them to the home of a Gentile centurion. And then he saw the Holy Spirit poured out among the whole company. Each one filled with the Holy Spirit received by God. God uses simple people like that. <clears throat> There is a book, a very old book, called The Darkness Where God Is. It's about the civil war in Northern Ireland. You know that there's so much trouble in Northern Ireland. Catholics fighting Protestants. But in that movement, God spoke into the hearts of simple men and women. There was a man who had lost his, many of his family members to the Catholics who had murdered his family members. And God spoke to him and said, show kindness to some of these Catholics. He obeyed God and showed kindness. And God did mighty things through each of these people who obeyed God. And even though there was raging civil war, there was a revival in Northern Ireland where Catholics and Protestants who once hated each other worshipped God and were filled with the Holy Spirit. The Protestants never thought, believed that Catholics would receive the Holy Spirit. They thought the Catholics were of the Pope and of the devil. But in this fellowship, they found out that that was so untrue, that God loved Catholics and God loved Protestants. And what God did was even more amazing. <clears throat> you see, in those times, Catholics were known for the charity and good works. and The Protestants used to look down on them and say they are just doing good works to gain favour and to go to heaven. The Protestants, on the other hand, were very much into the word of God, very strict about obedience to God, but did very little to help people. Social work wasn't anywhere theirs. And God in his humour switched things around. He got the Catholics to teach the Bible to the Protestants and the Protestants to do arms, to give arms and to help the poor sense of God's humour, but it started with a few people who obeyed despite their opposition, their hatred, the hurts that they had received from the other side. And despite the fact that they, they thought that this other side were not followers of Christ, 
And God brought them together and poured His Holy Spirit upon both sides. God does wonderful things. And often He breaks through our preconceived prejudices, the ideas that have been locked in our minds, that God does not reach other people outside of our groups. I wonder, some of you who are my age or older, how you were taught that Catholics were of the devil. I can't imagine that. And still some segments in the church believe that. But when we see the Holy Spirit poured down upon Catholics and Protestants, then we realize that God shows no partiality. He is a God who loves, who longs to fill people with His Holy Spirit. Let's then allow God to speak to us, give God time and a chance to speak to us, and then let God use us to change us, our preconceived ideas, and then also to bring His Word and His goodness to others. Let us pray. Father, You are God who surprises us again and again and again. And God, we are very much stuck to our preconceived ideas of what is right and what is wrong. And sometimes we point to Your Word and say, these people are behaving, are doing things that are so wrong. We used to do that with Catholics, that they worship Mary and we did, they did this and they did that. And then we saw your spirit pour down upon them. We used to think the same of prisoners, that they would not change, they were a danger to society, they would be a danger to our church. And then you pour out your Holy Spirit upon prisoners. And you brought them in to teach us and to be our pastors. And you blessed us with them. Throughout the ages, Lord, we have, we have been afraid to reach out afraid and suspicious of other groups. Open our hearts, open our minds to receive them. And then, Lord, as your Spirit is poured upon them, to embrace them as well. But Father, teach us first to sit at your feet and listen to you. Teach us first, Lord, to be open to you to be willing to give of our time, to cut off certain things that we may give you time to speak into our busy lives. Because each time you speak into us, miracles take place. Stop us, Lord, from living hurried lives all the time, treating time with you as something, an obligation that we must do, but done in a hurry, just to assage our conscience but teach us instead to delight in spending time with you, to want to hear you speak to us, that you will make our lives count on earth. Whether it is a short life or a long life, that whatever span of life we have, that our lives may count for you. Do this for us, Lord, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, thank you once again and Wow, I've overshot my time again. I'm sorry. But have a blessed time. Goodbye.